You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is up, everybody? It feels like, once again, it feels like it's been a hot minute since we've taken the air here. I guess it was last Friday. Uh, this, I don't know, for some reason, the last weekend, last week. Less kinda, than a week. Yeah, I know. It's, it's gone by, it feels slow, fast. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to keep track of. But I'm Anthony Kazenza. He's John Sharon. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to be coming at you Thursday night, talking some Bengals football. Yeah, it might be a little slow on the NFL calendar. We're still yakking at you. We're still breaking things down, talking about the team we all know and love, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, all part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. And, John, welcome back. How are you, dude? I'm doing good, dude. I'm, I'm currently being powered by a rarefied energy because okay. right before the show, I reached out to someone that I used to date and... It's you know it's it's one of those like risky test texts when you just kind of like throw your phone away like right afterwards, but like you're just it's a lot of anticipation. For those who know, they know. So like I'm on, I'm on a rarefied energy. Let's just call it that right now. Okay, so we're <laughs> we're feeling pretty good about the possible outcome there. We we got a response, but a, come on, you got you can't tease us like this, dude. Come oh, on. Th- there's been no response yet. Like I purposely timed oh. it so like I'm not looking at my phone for the next. Hour, I you know what see. I mean? Oh, so, okay, so it's like brush it aside. We're we're very much just in the middle of space right now. We have no direction. We have no sense of anything right now. So okay, okay. Well, hey, I'm hoping for the outcome. It's going to be a great show. Desire. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm hoping for the outcome that you desire on that front, my friend. Sending good good vibes over to you. If you are new here, welcome. And you can watch or get this show on a number of different platforms, including YouTube, by clicking the show icon above John Sharon. You can click that. Click the subscribe button. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, uh, to get notified when we go live, when new content is available. And, of course, if you like uh, what we do on the video side of things, give us a thumbs up. That help us helps us out. But subscribe there if you would like. You can also give a thumbs up on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. You can do that there and catch the streams that we do live there, videos after the fact. Uh, you can get it on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. We are there. 
So subscribe along with our show, Three and Out with Jason and Kevin, talking football with Bengal Jim and friends, and of course, all the great content from the coach, Matt Minnick, all on your Cincy Jungle podcast channel. We appreciate all the support that you've shown us throughout the, the many years we've done this show and uh, all of the support that you've shown the website, Cincy Jungle. And of course, hopefully John's feeling the love over at A to Z Sports as well. Uh, give him some some reads, some clicks, some likes. Go check out all the great stuff he's doing over there as well as on our show as the talent. I'm just the yacker. He's the, he's the talent here. So that being said, let's get down to business, John. And I, I am reluctant to even talk about this again. I feel like we talk about this every week. I feel like there's a new chapter, a new slight, a new headline, whatever. But yet again, uh, there's some chatter between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, we know now um, that this is kind of becoming a, a big rivalry. I think the NFL just absolutely loves it, is eating it up because of the talent of the two quarterbacks, the talent of the teams. Um, you know, kind of the older, grizzled, experienced, successful coach, the young up-and-comer, that sort of thing, all the storylines you can associate with it, and, of course, the mega stars on both rosters. We've had Joe Burrow kind of actually pay Pat Mahomes the the, the ultimate compliment, saying he's the best quarterback in the league. Um, and then you had Jamar just kind of followed up with a jokingly Pat who. Um, Patrick Mahomes fires back with a picture, Pat who, and he's got the rings on. And now you got Travis Kelsey uh, kind of barking back at, at Jamar Chase. And this thing is just, it's not stopping. I mean, you can go back. I mean, it, the mayor thing, the Burrowhead thing. I mean, you can even go back to 21 when the Bengals shocked them. This thing is just not stopping. I guess the question I would ask at this point, is this now either at or superseding AFC North type rivalries? Because I asked this, I know there's a lot of history there, but I mean, these teams are now facing off once a year, at least, if not more, high-profile games, and then all of this chatter that's going along with it. Are we are we seeing, you know, an AFC North-like rivalry, or can we just say, hey, this is this is Patriots Colts from ten years ago? Yeah, it's closer to the latter because this transcends just the division. It's, I mean, it's a heavyweight battle at this point. It's been a heavyweight battle all four times that they've met that they've met in the past. What has it been? Eighteen months, and in boxing in that industry a lot of the industry a lot of the economy is the lead up to the fight it's the ceremonious way in where they just you know kind of stare into the stare down yeah have the fake punch you know just kind of like rile up the attention um the difference between joe burrow and travis kelsey is that one of them has a podcast so one of them has a more vetted interest to create some content with the things that he says which is of course, referring to Travis Kelsey. I love Travis Kelsey, but he's got a big mouth and he knows how to use it and he knows how to use it to, <laughs> to fire up the people who support him and to enrage the people that maybe don't. So again, like we talked about this last week, the, the correct thing to do is that if you are a quarterback peer of Patrick Mahomes, then it's in your best interest to say that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL because one, it's probably true. And two, it's the most productive thing to say. But if you are a receiver of Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or anyone who can possibly contend with uh, Patrick Mahomes, then it's in your best interest to stand by your quarterback and say that he's the best. So, of course, Travis Kelsey's not going to respond to what Joe Burrow said because that wouldn't be good content. He's going to respond to what Jamar Chase said. And this is just the, the epitome of talking about football in June. 
so he, the other thing, I mean, I know this is kind of pointing out the obvious, but Orlando Brown Jr. coming to the Bengals, you know, just adds another element. Um, and you have to kind of think not only is it, okay, hey, the Bengals are paying me, you know, good money. They're giving me the position that I want and all of that. But there's there might have been a little bit of spite. Uh, I wish we kind of asked him this a little bit. We shied away from contract stuff when he was on the show a couple months back. But, I, you know, I wonder if there was a little bit of spite to say, hey, Kansas City, you're not paying me what I'm worth and or the position that I, you know, that I want to play. So now I'm going to go to <laughs> your biggest rival and, uh, you know, and even as a possibility, I, I don't know. It's just all of it is adding fuel to the fire. All of it is just it just keeps growing. And this is the quiet time of the NFL. I mean, for the most part, a quieter time of the NFL calendar. And the, the, the shots just keep getting fired back and forth. Granted, it's little it's little. You know, blah, 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 blah. it's nothing like, you know, crazy disrespectful or anything like that. But these two teams, particularly, it seems Kansas City more so than the Cincinnati side, these two teams and their players are paying attention very closely to what is said, what is heard, what I mean, everything. It just seems like they have a laser focus on all things coming out of Bengals players, mouths, coaches, mouths, etc. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to. Uh, dedicate this much attention during the season when they actually have other teams to worry about and, and whatnot. So now, I mean, nothing... we've seen it. We've seen it the other way, though, right? I mean, with, with true. I mean, with Reed and everything. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, that was, yeah, that was also like leading up to the game. I think like in, during that week. But yeah, like I, I understand. Like it, it's it's the dead period and it's the time when when people talk. And of course, Bengals and Chiefs is always a hot topic because of how interesting the matchup and the budding rivalry has become. So yeah, like. As far as what you know, the definition of rivalry is to me like it's it should be between two teams who are very equally matched and you know are very similar in terms of their accomplishments and everything like that. So considering where the Bengals are right now, like yeah, their biggest rival is the Chiefs, and and the, the same is vice versa. Even though the Chiefs obviously have accomplished more, but to go with maybe the animosity route, I do think that there's still some residual. Um, resentment, if you will, about the Bengals beating the Chiefs in the AFC Championship on their home field because if the Chiefs win that game, they, they're probably favorites to beat the Rams in that Super Bowl, and they're like an official, like they're like a locked-in dynasty that dynasty. is on par with what the Patriots were in the early 2000s. Now there's like, yeah, like Mahomes has won two, and he's like a lock to go to the Hall of Fame, but there's still some like, okay, like they haven't done it every single time like a true dynasty would even though that's so much harder now than it was even 20 years ago so yeah it started in those two games when the Bengals won and the fact that they've kept it close and they've always they've just come back to them at the end of the season like this isn't going away anytime soon and this this hate whether it be fabricated in the offseason for clicks or not it's not it's not dissipating anytime soon I'm old enough to remember in the late 80s, early 90s, even mid-90s, the Marty Schottenheimer Chiefs and the animosity that was held to the John Elway Broncos, uh, I mean, all, the Raiders, I mean, all these teams were, and, and it just never, and granted, maybe it's just revisionist history or whatever that I'm, that I'm playing here, but I mean, I, I just, 
this is this is like division rival heated. I, it's it's just at a level where I'm like I I I still am a little shocked. I think that it. I'm shocked that these two teams that seemingly didn't have a lot of crossover before the last couple of years. I mean, I, I'm shocked at how quickly this escalated. I guess is is what I'm trying to articulate. Yeah, that's that's true. And I think I think because most of the games have been such high profile, obviously half of them have been for a trip to the Super Bowl. So there's obviously yeah. a lot of emotions riding on that. My concern, Anthony, is that it escalates beyond what it is now because I, th- I remember it was like 2017. It was the game against the Steelers where Ryan Shazier uh, injured himself and yeah. essentially retired, right? Like that was at that point, I realized that the Bengals Steelers rivalry was more about just injuring the other player more than just being better because there was just so much visceral hate. And to me, that's that doesn't make a good rivalry, that just makes for unwatchable football almost to that extent. If the Bengals Chiefs stays at a point where both teams are really good, and yes, of course, there there is dislike that kind of fuels them, but it's not uh, I'll go all out and you know get revenge for Greg Cook like Robert Obrecht is saying in the comments section. Like I'm not, I don't I want no part of that. I want Patrick Mahomes to be healthy. I want the Chiefs to have full health. I want the Bengals to have full health because that makes the best product. That makes the best watchable games to go over to analyze and then to watch in real time, and then to have success without all that stuff it makes it that much better i just hope it doesn't get to the point of like the late 2010s Bengals steelers because that was just just ugly to watch all around that's a good point um and yeah i mean that that transcended you know verbal jabs back and forth and all i mean that, that got that got ugly and that got ugly fast and you know obviously there's been a lot of changes, particularly on the Bengals side of things, um, roster-wise, coaching-wise, since since all of that took place. But unfortunately, I mean, we've seen the Steelers and how they play physical football. Um, I, that's just kind of ingrained in their DNA in terms of the extracurriculars, the extra aggressiveness, that sort of thing. Um, even in some of the down years, which haven't really even been down years by most team standards, um, you know, they still have that edge that they play with that. And I, I agree with you, though. I, I really would not like to see that this come to that. I think there's going to be some jawing on the field as, as you know, I mean, we've seen Chase get a little extra animated when he's made plays and other things happen uh, in the more recent game. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll see a little bit of that, but I don't think we're going to see, you know, cheap shots, bad, you know, bad, anything like that. I don't think that's going to be part of the part of the situation there but again this just keeps kind of evolving and keeps going on and you know i don't i don't know if it's going to continue on in training camp and into the regular season maybe like you said you know as, as the dog days of summer where you're grinding in practice you're doing preseason and of course you get into the regular season and that game is far down the schedule maybe you kind of focus on tasks at hand and not so much what's coming down the road but i'm, I'm very interested to see how this continues to go on because it just seems like anything any type of question that is asked particularly of the Bengals and their response it just seems like you know the, the other side is just really just jumping all over it yeah and also i mean it comes down to like it's up to the media to either continue asking those questions or stop asking those questions if if they if they weren't asked in the first place i don't think either side would just kind of bring it up out of nowhere but i i do get the sense that like the Chiefs may be taking it a little bit more personal compared to the other side, at least from from my perspective. But 
you know, they're the winners and they get to act the hell they want. So that's just how it is until it changes. It is. But uh, again, this rivalry just keeps gaining momentum, keeps gaining steam. And maybe that's just all what the NFL wants with these two teams, because we know that this game is crazy entertaining when these two teams play. We know it's always high stakes, even in the regular season. And uh, it's going to be that way again this year. They're going to meet at least once and we'll see what happens there. Probably another very high profile game, all uh, all things considered. So um, Bengals Chiefs continues to be a, a headline, even when in a time where there aren't many headlines. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so we when we do the... Um... When we do the potential breakout players, what we've done normally is, you know, sometimes it's, we grab from obscurity or we kind of grab it or, and make arguments for players that, you know, may or may not have, you know, a, a good chance of it. You know, we try and make a compelling argument there. But other times we kind of go for low-hanging fruit. And it's usually by grabbing some of the summer headlines, the spring headlines for players. Oftentimes it has to do with, oh, they've, gained good weight or they look much better this year in, in non-padded practices and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know what, John, I'm going to go low hanging fruit again because there is a interior defensive lineman. They didn't, you know, they had opportunities to grab some in the draft. They didn't. And so they've put a lot of stock in this kid in year two, it would seem. Um, he played a little edge last year. He was kind of, he was like at 290. Um, you know, they, they were kind of tinkering around with different roles with him. He played inside, he played outside in college. He did the same thing. I think as a, as a, in his final year of Florida, he had what, nine sacks, nine and a half sacks. So, I mean, he's got, he's, he's got abilities to do a lot of different things. He's a versatile player, but here we go right now. This is from the athletics, Paul Daner Jr. Um, and we've got this story on Cincy jungle, but Paul Daner Jr. Of the athletics said that he, is now topping 300 pounds after playing in the 290s last year. Put on about 20 to get to 310. Um, and dedication and tenacity now understanding his role playing inside at three technique, backing up BJ Hill. Bengals, again, did not really go um, that route uh, in terms of outside guys. So they, they are showing a lot of trust in the Zach Carter. I, I don't know if you want to call it project, development, whatever you want to call it. So while this is kind of the one of those headlines from the summer where you go, okay, okay, of course, he's putting on the good muscle, muscle weight, all that kind of stuff. I, I think it does show 
that he and the team are maybe on the same page about his role going forward. Uh, you know, what is, what is expected of him that the fact that, you know, they showed some trust in him and now he's a taller guy. Um, and so getting to 310 maybe, you know, gives him a little bit. You know, you've had three techniques oftentimes are maybe a little smaller and kind of have that Geno Atkins size, you know, lower center of gravity, that sort of thing. He is. So, you know, I mean, maybe maybe all of this plays into a potential breakout year for Zach Carter, even as a rotational guy, even as a backup guy. I still think he's valued and the, the, the coaches have high hopes for him this year. Uh, yeah. you know, it, it was a lot for him and it's a lot for rookie defensive linemen in general when they come into the league, because those guys end up playing multiple techniques. And like he said, like he wasn't really sure what the plan was going to be. He was transitioning from like an edge to more of an interior guy, but he was playing five technique. He was playing three technique. He was playing wherever the Bengals needed him to play. And part of that was because they lacked some depth there in the middle of the season. DJ Reader went down. They had to rely on J2 Fele. They, were to, they had to rely more on Zach Carter. And like you said, with BJ Hill playing a lot of snaps, like he was you know, being trusted to play a lot behind him as well. I don't know if his role is going to be more defined this year, but the fact that they didn't add another three technique behind BJ Hill, it would seem like that's just going to be where he's going to be counted on the most. It's if for me though it wasn't necessarily like uh, an issue of, of weight or size with him. Like I think two ninety would have been fine to kind of survive in the roles that he did. If he's three ten with the same level of you know explosion and speed that he had because he already wasn't too great in either of those categories. Like that's fine. It was really just like he didn't really utilize any pass rushing plans last year and he just got zero pressure. I think he was graded like below forty several times as a pass rusher from pro football focus. And that was really reflective of what the tape showed. Like he, I think he had like a cleanup sack against the Patriots kind of late in the season. He kind of set the edge on in run plays more often. It would seem right. 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 And early in the, like the biggest improvement I saw from him as the season went on is that he just ended up finding the ball more and ended up making more yeah. plays on the ball carry, which is good. Like you want to see an increased level of comfort for those guys when, when you're playing inside there. So We'll see. Like, I'm mainly interested in his hand usage and his overall plan as a pass rush because, like, it just needs to be better if he's to be as productive as, like, a guy like Larry Ugenjobi was, right? And he'll probably never be that level of explosive athlete, especially not at 310 pounds. Or maybe he's just primarily a run defender, and that's just going to be his role. And if that is who he is as a late third-round pick, then, then that is what it is. But the Bengals still need some answer inside to give them some type of an explosive boost to go along with BJ Hill. If, if it's Zach Carter, that's great. If it's not, they'll just have to keep looking. But like that, that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for because that's where he struggled the absolute most last year. Here's the other element to it where the, I don't know if there was a heart to heart that happened either on exit interviews or, you know, maybe post draft or what have you, but I mean, that defensive end room got crowded this offseason with Basham, with Miles Murphy. I mean, you still got Cam Sample in the mix. Um, you now have, you know, Hendrickson Hubbard in the names. Osai probably getting a higher profile role next year as well. So, you know, if he had, if there was this vision of him becoming an edge player for the, for the Bengals, that's, a, that's an uphill battle for him to climb. Whereas if they think that he can, at least has versatility to kick inside at the pro level, 
they may say, hey, you know, bulk up, muscle up, and really study this position because it's going to be hard for you to potentially make this team as an edge player based on the Murphy edition, Basham, et cetera. Um, now, granted, I, I, you know, I mean, I think they, they like him as a football player. Otherwise, they wouldn't have drafted him in the third round last year. But, I mean, that may be part of this entire formula is like, hey, that, that edge room is getting kind of crowded and we need somebody right here to back up B.J. Hill and we don't have someone truly grabbing onto that role. You got Tupo that kicks inside there, like you mentioned, Tufele as well. Um, but they need someone that, you know, can get, con- you know, with the snaps they are given, pretty consistent quarterback pressures and, and penetration to the backfield. Yeah, I, I think he was always at at most an emergency option at edge. Like he had experience at Florida, but that was when he was down at like 280. And that's like, that's like the old school Bengals edge, like the Michael Johnsons and the Dunlaps. Yeah, but he wasn't yeah. really built like those guys. He didn't really have the flexibility and the bend. I mean, even, you know, MJ wasn't exactly like that, but you kind of get my point. Like Carter was always going to be transitioning to the inside, but, you know, to, I mean, it's not easy in Luna Rumo's defense. You're playing a lot of techniques. You're playing a lot of two gapping. Sometimes you're one gapping. It's a lot of different stuff going on. And obviously when you're a rookie and it's the, you know, the busiest, most whirlwind year of your career, Everyone always says the transition into year two is is where you see that jump because things start to slow down and your role becomes more defined. And that's the good thing with Carter is that there is no one else really to compete with him for what his projected role is. So everything should be more clear and, and concise for him to kind of digest. And we'll, and we'll see if this if this way kind of helps. Maybe it'll it'll transform into, into him into being that. Yeah, maybe it'll transform him into into a better run defender excuse me but yeah I, i'm really interested to see you know how they utilize him as a pass rusher if they take him off the field more often on, on third downs if they maybe they slide in you know a miles murphy or sam hubbard inside because they have that added edge depth like it was definitely clear that they needed some burst off the edge because you can't you know survive 29th and sacks again even if sacks aren't like the most defined metric for pass rushing like it, it needed to improve they needed to finish more often and i don't know if they can rely on zach carter to do that but if they're gonna say hey plug this B gap, you know, for like 20 snaps a game. I think he can do that. What are your expectations for him this year? I mean, what, what do you, do you anticipate him making that nice leap? Do you anticipate maybe some, some more bumps along the way, um, him getting lost in the shuffle? Uh, I, I mean, what, what, what are your realistic expectations and what, I guess a follow-up for you would be, okay, well, your expectations, but also what would a nice year look like? Would it be that 20 snap scenario that you think he can do? Would that be a nice year and and just kind of a, a big remedy for what the Bengals need? Yeah, like he played 461 snaps last year, including the playoffs. So that's, so what is that? Those That's actually more than I, I mean, I, I didn't research it, but that's actually more than I kind of thought he played. Yeah, so that's that's around I think twenty four, twenty five a game. So that I yeah. think that's a fair expectation this year as well. Because again, like the the depth that defensive tackle, specifically three technique and five technique, it's just not there. It's it's mainly just him. So provided he stays healthy, I think four sixty one is probably the floor this year. So more more snaps, more opportunity could be more production, but it all depends on how he kind of grows in that area. Like I, I will admit though, like towards the end of the season. Like he graded 80.2 against the Patriots, 76.3 against the Ravens in that regular season finale. He had two uh, two of his playoff games were graded above 60 against the Ravens and Chiefs. So he kind of ended kind of on a high note, but that was, I think it was more because of you know how improved he was as a run defender. So maybe it was at the end of the season. Okay, they they were saying okay, 
this guy looks the part now of a guy that we can rely on on these early downs to give BJ Hill a break. Maybe that's maybe that's the biggest impact that Carter can make. If 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 Carter can provide BJ Hill enough rest so he's not playing as many snaps as he did last year, so you can maximize him as a pass rusher because he's by far your best three technique guy that can push the pocket. Maybe that's the sign or the indicator of a successful season for Carter. I'm not really measuring him by production because I just don't know what he's capable of in terms of, you know, getting uh pass rushing production. But if he can if he can make BJ Hill a better player, a la Miles Murphy creating more opportunities in a in a fresher yep. Trey Hendrickson, maybe that is how we measure that Curtis impact. That's a fantastic point, and that's kind of where I was going next in terms of the edge defenders because I mean, when you look at uh, you, to me, Trey Hendrickson late last year and at the end of 21, he looked gassed, man. He yeah. looked absolutely gassed. And I, I know he's a guy that just, yeah, I mean, there's effort players and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you just see the effort in which Trey Hendrickson plays. I mean, you see it. Um, so he gives it all on every snap, but as you're getting three and four postseason games deep. Um, and, you know, I mean, he had the, the wrist issue, I think, this year. They, would he break it, you know, fracture his wrist or something? And he's playing a ton of snaps just because out of necessity. And he is effective. But that is a great point where it's not so much, okay, maybe Zach Carter's biggest uh, benefit or biggest added benefit to the team is not so much what he shows in the stat column, but what B.J. Hill is able to show in the stat column because – Carter comes in and yeah, he provides effective snaps in that rotation, but he also, because he's doing that, he's keeping BJ Hill fresher, like Osai, like uh, Miles Murphy, like Basham and these other guys that, that are going to be vying for edge spots to get those spot snaps and really give some relief to Hubbard and Hendrickson. Yeah. And that the good, the good thing is like, I, I think Carter was a better player at Florida than I originally gave him credit for. Cause I didn't know a ton about him coming out of college, but, but the production was solid. And I think the tape was solid enough to like, I mean, guys drafted in the third round, they usually like have good tape in general. So Carter was a pretty, pretty clean prospect with not a ton that kind of stood out, but like he, he was a good player at Florida. And I think having a more defined role and things kind of slowing down from him for him and being, you know, maybe a more comfortable size playing inside all the time. Maybe that's when you'll see things kind of click together. But as far as like production expectations, I don't really know because you know some years like you'll have Trey Hendrickson having 14 sacks and then then he had like you know seven sacks this year like it kind of kind of comes and goes but I think he definitely belongs in this defense and it's one of the best defenses in the NFL and that's got to feel pretty good for him. My biggest concern, and I want to hear yours as well. My biggest concern though is too much of a tweener too much of an in-betweener in terms of position, in terms of body type, in terms of size, all of that. And I look back at guys like, remember Marcus Hardison um, mm-hmm. that the Bengals drafted in the middle rounds under Marvin Lewis. Remember Will Clark, a guy, and it's like, well, is he, you know, he's kind of an edge, but then we put him inside a little bit too. And, it, you know, sometimes you see it work with a guy like Wallace Gilberry and Frosty Rucker and all, you know, some of these other guys with the Bengals where they've been able to utilize those guys nicely and get effective snaps from multiple places on the line but there's a ton of other examples where you go, we just had, can't find it. It's, it's round pegs, square hole, whatever the, the analogy is there. It's just not clicking. And this, so that's my concern is that if there is, if he is an in-betweener in terms of size or 
you know, build that sort of thing where he may be too big to be an NFL edge, but he either doesn't have the skill set or maybe a little small or just not the right fit inside as well. Um, so I, I think, you know, in calling him a potential Bengals breakout player this year, it's a bit of a roll of the dice, but I think, you know, it's kind of one of those swing for the fence type of deals. Yeah. Like, I mean, th- th- those names, Will Clark and Marcus Hardison, the, the, with those guys. Send chills, don't you? Yeah, doesn't like it? They, 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 they couldn't do, unfortunately, they couldn't do like a single thing at like a decent level. They were just very below average at a lot of things, which is why I think they, they tried to trot them out there for a lot of different things. I think a similar Carter, round where they were, where they were yeah. drafted. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hardison, I think, was a mid fourth and, and Clark was a late third. You go to Rennell Wren. I mean, that that was a four. I mean, they, so they they look for these types of guys in the middle round. I, I think Carter can be a decent run defending defensive tackle. And again, if that's all he is, then then you just take it and just move on. But the biggest thing that he could do outside of expectation would be to become like an average pass rusher, because an average pass rusher is more than anything they have inside other than B.J. Hill. Well, we'll see what happens with him. I think he's a guy that, uh, that, again, I think maybe there was a conversation there between the Bengals' brain trust and Zach Carter either after the the season ended last year or the beginning of this one or after the draft, this one where they said, you know, this is kind of the role and this is how you need to prepare for it. And he's, if that is the case, he has answered the call and it sounds like he's doing – what he needs to do to get ready for that position inside, which is good, but, you know, gaining the muscle, gaining the weight and and doing things the right way is one step in the process. You got to actually apply it and and do the work and hopefully it all comes together for them. But the Bengals did show, you know, some faith in him by not, you know, overly pursuing some of these guys either in the draft or free agency. And they're kind of, they're kind of rolling with it. So we'll see what happens. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um, we're going to start closing up here. We, we've been doing a little bit more abbreviated shows uh, during during this period of time. But I wanted to close up um, before we drop the mic and get out. I wanted to close up. We used to do a, a thing. We talked about it before we took the air, John. We used to do a thing where it was 
remember when and it was kind of calling back to some either some Bengals greats remember this player remember this play remember this time remember this game all that sort of thing and so I kind of thought well with you know practices kind of starting to subside and training camp coming a little bit down the road I thought we'd kind of revisit that whether you want to call it a Bengals blast from the past or if you want to still say remember him or remember when that sort of thing we can do that but as you know, uh, I, you know, I, when a team has a good tight end on their roster and, you know, a good player at that position, I'm a big fan of it. You know, we broke down a few of those in that position group in our 2023 prospect profiles. Um, and the Bengals have had some pretty damn good ones in their history. Um, you know, even I know he doesn't uh, sit all that well with a lot of Bengals fans at this point in time, but you look statistically, he's one of the best in uh, by position is Jermaine Gresham. You know, I mean, he was a guy that was productive for the most part. You can go, you know, Tony McGee and uh, Reggie Kelly was a very valued member of, of that. And of course, the great Bob Trumpy, uh, by the way, I understand he had a, an interview with, uh, I believe it was Tom Brenneman or something recently that uh, was supposed to be an hour long and it was very insightful. So I guess go check that out. My, my friend Dale Altman just told me that earlier today. But regardless, the uh, the Bengals had a, a tight end before some of those names, Tony McGee and, and all of those that kind of revolutionized the position for them and in the NFL a bit. He's a guy who made multiple Pro Bowls. He was a guy who did a lot in the offense. Yes, he was an ancillary weapon, but he was a guy that would flank, you know, the tackles make a lot of plays in on the field and, you know, just did a lot of things that tight ends now do that didn't do back in the 1980s. And uh, was, you know, was known as a good blocker, good, good, a good receiver. And that's Rodney Holman. Um, and you may or may not remember him all that much, John, but he was a guy that was one of my personal faves from the 1980s team. If anyone has a contact with him, let him know. We'd love to have him on the show. But here's some of the plays here that you can see. I mean, he's just, you know, just a couple of quick little plays. Here he is just streaking down the sideline on a big play. This is my favorite one here uh, where he just charges over a ton of guys here and just carries guys. So uh, he's a guy that uh, had to give him a shout-out. Yeah, I think Ronnie Holman has four of the top 15 uh, receiving seasons for tight ends in Bengals history. I was looking at um, some of those stats recently, just for like Eric Smith research, and like there's never been a thousand yard uh, receiver at tight end. But Rodney Holman, I think, broke 500. I think four times, and you're talking about late 80s, early 90s. So you had Boomer at quarterback, and one of those was the Super Bowl season. So like production doesn't always stand the test of time when you're talking about like eras, but like uh, the, the most productive tight end seasons the Bengals have had in their history have all been from that era. And as you could see from those clips, like Holman was an athlete for sure for being, you know, a, a tight end of, of that size, but like he could stretch the field. I have obviously never seen him play, but I have seen highlights and I have heard like how good he was like nine touchdowns in the 1989 season, 736 yards is sixth in terms of the all-time uh, record for the position at receiving yards. Like, yeah, obviously Dan Ross and Bob Trumpy, who are also on this list as well. And there's Jermaine Gresham. I think Jermaine Gresham's best season was 737, so just one more. 
than Rodney Holman. But yeah, it's exciting when you have a tight end that can kind of stretch the field. And I think that's what the Bengals are currently hoping for with Irv Smith. Again, he's just, he's to me he was a blend of, and hopefully the mic issues. Some some people are saying my mic was uh, or somebody's mic. I don't know. Uh, well, I think it was probably mine that was going a little wonky. Hopefully it's been fixed. But um, at any rate, uh, he just to me he was a blend of kind of an old old throwback tight end and also a, a kind of one that was revolutionizing things because of the offense that Sam Weish, Boomer Sison, and and company were running. And, you know, he was just a very effective weapon. And then what also made him extremely effective was how great Boomer Sison was at selling a play action. Um, if you if you go back and watch some Boomer clips of him in his play action fake, I mean, he had camera guys, you know, juked out at times. And, um, you know, that coming off of that and hitting him, you know, in the seam or, you know, coming across the middle, that was just a lethal, lethal play in the Bengals' arsenal and, just a guy who is a very valued member doesn't get talked about a ton in Bengals circles, but you know, a guy, I think I, I, I can't remember his place, but I know he was in the top 50 players of all time um, in their history, really good player. And uh, just wanted to give him a, a little bit of a nod. Cause I was thinking about him. I think it was Bengal Jim who maybe put out a Twitter poll and said like, Hey, you know, when you think of 82, number 82, which Bengal comes to mind. And that was like the one I'm like, Oh, him. Uh, but Tony McGee was on there. Marvin Jones was on there. And I, I saw Holman kind of not winning that race. And I, I, I felt a little, felt a little upset. Well, I, th- I think he appreciates it. I don't know if he'll ever be <laughs> in the ring of honor, but I, I think he appreciates the shout out. So good on you. Yeah. Well, let's drop the mic. I guess I should literally drop my mic given, given the issues that I've had uh, with it today. I, I think I figured out what the problem was, but that's neither here nor there. Um, nothing like figuring it out right at the end there, but John, let's, let's drop the mic. What do you got for us? How the hell can I, can I, how, how can I top that amazing bun? No, like I got, I got nothing. You got nothing. Okay. I got nothing. Um, uh, just a, a quick, quick shout out. I'm going to, uh, try and pin the, um, link to folks or folks in the, in the, um, Five chats for you. I was joined. There's a new pod, Bengals podcast out, a great one run by a great guy, Dusty. And Dusty also is um, a uh, military veteran, currently works with the National Guard. So thank thank him for his service. Thank Thanks to him for his service to the country. But um, if you are watching on the live streams, Cincy Jungle, Facebook, or our OBI YouTube channel, um, that is the YouTube channel, Bengals Army. It's a new show. You had myself and Dale Altman on uh, the, uh, on an episode that will be dropping in the next couple of days. He had Zim Hude on. He's had a couple of other great people on. Uh, and, you know, he's a great guy, fun show. And, uh, you know, I appreciate him inviting me on. And, um, John, I'm sure you'll be getting an invite. I may or may not have already uh, voluntold you uh, to, to go. <laughs> um, but, no, uh, great, great guy, great show. Go give him uh, uh, some views and 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 support his show because he's a great guy and doing great work over there. So that's kind of my mic drop for this week. Sounds awesome, man! Can't wait. Yeah, he's got a cool logo too. The uh, the Bengals Army logo is a cool, cool logo. That's going to do it for us. We went we went a little short and uh, maybe better to go short based on the 
I guess the chirping of the audio equipment that we've had tonight. Haven't had that happen to us in quite some time, but this is what happens when we're, we, you know, we've, we usually do, you know, twice a week, sometimes three or four times a week in the season. Um, when you go once a week, you get a little rusty, but that's okay. That's okay. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Thanks for bearing with some of the audio issues, John. Thank you for, as always coming on and get dealing with my last minute. Hey, are you ready to go on the air <laughs> type of request? But uh, hey, thank you. And thanks, everybody. We will see you very soon. And we'll talk some more Bengals football training camp is around the corner. We've got a lot to talk about. John, have a good week, bud. You as well.